Hello and thank you for tuning in to this week's Minutes with Maurice podcast. During my research for last week's podcast, I ran across a name that I thought might be familiar with some of you folks and of interest to the others. And so today we're going to look into the life and tribulations of Earl Flynn. Earl Leslie Thompson Flynn was born in June 1909 and died October 1959, was an American-Australian actor who achieved worldwide fame during the golden age of Hollywood. He was known for his romantic swashbuckler roles, frequent partnerships with Olivia de Havilland, and reputation for his womanizing and hedonistic personal life. His most notable roles include the eponymous hero in The Adventures of Robin Hood, which was later named by the American Film Institute as the eighth greatest hero in American family history. The lead role in Captain Blood, Major Jeffrey Victors in The Charge of the Light Brigade, and the hero in a number of westerns such as Dodge City, Santa Fe Trail, and San Antonio. Both of his parents were Australian-born of Irish, English, and Scottish descent. Despite Flynn's claims, the evidence indicates he was not descended from any of the bounty mutineers. Flynn received his early schooling in Hobart. He attended the Hutchins School Hobart College, the Friends School, in Albura Street Primary School and was expelled from each one. He made one of his first appearances as a performer in 1918, age nine, when he served as a page boy to Enid Lyons in a Queen Carnival. In her memoirs, Lyons recalled Flynn as a dashing figure, a handsome boy of nine with a fearless somewhat haughty expression, already showing that he was later to become famous throughout the civilized world, end quote. She further noted, unfortunately, Errol, at the age of nine, did not yet possess that magic for extracting money from the public, which so distinguished his career as an actor. From 1923 to 1925, Flynn attended the Southwest London College, a private boarding school in Barnes, London. In 1926, he returned to Australia to attend Sydney Church of England Grammar School, where he was a classmate of a future Australian Prime Minister, John Gorton. His formal education ended with his expulsion that, uh, for theft, although he later claimed it was for a, a sexual encounter with the school's laundress. After being dismissed from a job as a junior clerk with Sydney Shipping Company for pilfering petty cash, he went to Papua New Guinea at the age of 18, seeking his fortune in tobacco planting and gold mining in the Marobe Goldfield. He spent the next five years oscillating between New Guinea and Sydney. In January 1931, 
Flynn became engaged to Naomi Campbell Dibbs, the youngest daughter of Robert and Emily Dibbs of Tomorrow and Bolrall, New South West. They did not marry. Australian filmmaker Charles Chauvel was working a f- making a film about the mutiny on the bounty in the wake of the bounty. A combination of dramatic reenactments of the mutiny and a documentary on present-day Pitcairn Island. Chauvel was looking for someone to play the role of Fletcher Christian. There are different stories about the way Flynn was cast. According to one, Chauvel saw his picture in an article about a yacht wreck involving Flynn. The most popular account is that he was discovered by cast member John Warwick. The film was not a strong success at the box office, but Flynn's was the lead role, leading him to travel to Britain in late 33 to pursue a career in acting. Flynn got work as an extra in a film, I Adore You. He soon secured a job with the Northampton Repertory Company at the town's Royal Theater, where he worked and received his training as a professional actor for seven months. Northampton is so home to an art house cinema that was named after him. He performed it at the 1934 Malvern Festival and in Glasgow, and then briefly in London's West End. In 1934, Flynn was dismissed from Northampton Rep after he threw a female stage manager down a stairwell. He returned to London. Asher cast him in the lead in Murder at Monte Carlo. The movie was not widely success, but Asher was enthusiastic about Flynn's performances and cabled Warner Brothers in Hollywood, recommending him for a contract. Executives agreed, and Flynn was sent to Los Angeles. On the ship from London, Flynn met, and eventually married, Lily Demita, an actress five years his senior whose contacts proved invaluable when Flynn arrived in Los Angeles. Warner Brothers publicly described him as an Irish leading man of the London stage. His first appearance was a small role in The Case of the Curious Bride. He had two scenes, one as a corpse and one in flashback. His next part was highly slightly larger, higher, bigger, in Don't Bet on Blondes, a B-picture screwball comedy. In 1935, Warner Brothers was preparing a big-budget swashbuckler, Captain Blood. The studio originally intended to cast Robert Dunett, but he turned down the part. Warner's considered a number of other actors, including Leslie Howard and James Cagney, and also conducted screen tests of those they had under contract, like Flynn. The tests were impressive, and Warners finally cast Flynn in the lead opposite 19-year-old Olivia de Havilland. In 
The result film was a magnificent success for the studio and gave birth to two new Hollywood stars and an on-screen partnership that would encompass eight films over six years. Flynn had been selected to support Frederick March in Anthony Edwards, but public response to Captain Blood was so enthusiastic that Warners instead reunited him with de Havilland and the director, Curtis, in another adventure tale, this time during the, set during the Crimean War, The Charge of the Light Brigade. The film was given a slightly larger budget, and it had a much higher box office gross, making it Warner Brothers' number one hit of 1965. Flynn asked for a different kind of role, and so when ill health made Leslie Howard drop out, Flynn got the lead in green light, playing a doctor searching for a cure for Rocky Mountain spotted fever. The studio then put him back into another swashbuckler role, replacing Patrick Knowles as Miles Hendon in The Prince and the Pauper. He appeared opposite Kay Francis in Another Dawn, a melodrama set in a mythical British desert, desert colony. Warners then gave Flynn his first starring role in a modern comedy, The Perfect Specimen, with Joan Blondell. Meanwhile, Flynn published his first book, Beam Ends, an autobiographical account of his experiences sailing around Australia as a youth. Flynn followed this with his most famous movie, The Adventures of Robin Hood, playing the title role opposite de Havilland's Marion. This movie was a global success. It was the sixth top movie grocer of 1938. It was also the studio's first large-budget color film using the three-strip Technicolor process. The budget for Robin Hood was the highest ever for a Warner Brothers production, but it more than made back its costs and turned a huge profit. It also received lavish praise from critics and became a world favorite. In 2019, Rotten Tomatoes summarized the critical consensus. Quote, Earl Flynn thrills as the legendary title character, <clears throat> and the film embodies the type of imaginative family adventure tailor-made for the silver screen. End quote. In 1995, the film was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and selected for preservation by the National Film Registry. The scene in which Robin climbs to Marion's window to steal a few words and a kiss has become as familiar to audiences as the balcony scene in Romeo and Juliet. Years later, in a 2005 interview, de Havilland described how, during the film, she decided to tease film, uh, Flynn. De Havilland said, 
And so we had one kissing scene, which I looked forward to with great delight. I remember I blew every take, at least six in a row, maybe seven, maybe eight, and we had to kiss all over again. And Earl Flynn got really uncomfortable, and he had, if I may say so, a little trouble with his tights, end quote. The final duel between Robin and Sir Guy of Gisborne is a classic, echoing the battle on the beach in Captain Blood, where Flynn also kills Rathbone's character after a long demonstration of fine swordplay. Flynn had a powerful dramatic role in The Dawn Patrol, a remake drama of the same name about royal flying corps fighters in World War I and the devastating burden carried by officers who must send men out to die every morning. In 1939, Flynn and de Havilland teamed up with Curtis for Dodge City, the first Western for both of them, set after the American Civil War. Flynn was worried that audiences would not accept him in Westerns, but the film was Warner's most popular film of 1939, and he went on to make a number of movies in that genre. Flynn was reunited, reunited with Davis, Curtis, and de Havilland in The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex, playing Robert Devereux and Earl of Essex. Flynn's relationship with Davis during filming was quarrelsome. Davis allegedly slapped him across the face far harder than necessary during one scene. Flynn attributed her anger to unrequited romantic interests, but according to others, Davis resented sharing equal billing with a man she considered incapable of playing any role beyond a stash-dashing adventurer. Quote, he himself openly said, I don't really know anything about acting, quote-unquote, she told an interviewer, and I admire his honesty, because he's absolutely right, end quote. Years later, however, de Havilland said that during a private screening of Elizabeth and Essex, an astounded Davis had exclaimed, damn it, the man could act. Warner put Flynn in another western, Virginia City, set near the end of the Civil War. Flynn played Union officer Carrie Bradford, in an article for TCM, Jeremy Arnold wrote, quote, Ironically, the Randolph Scott role as Captain Vance Irby, commandant of the prison camp where Bradford was a prisoner of war, was originally conceived for Flynn. In fact, Virginia City was plagued with script production and personnel problems all along. Shooting began without a finished script, angering Flynn, who complained unsuccessfully to the studio about it. Flynn disliked the temperamental Curtis and tried to have him removed from the film. Curtis didn't like Flynn, or co-star Miriam Hopkins either. Humphrey Bogart apparently didn't care for Flynn or Randolph Scott, making matters worse was the steady rain that fell for two 
of the three weeks shooting near Flagstaff, Arizona. De Flynn detested rain and was physically unwell for quite some time because of it. As Peter Valenti has written, quote, Errol's frustration at the role can be easily understood. He changed from antagonist to protagonist, from southern to northern, northern officer, almost as the film was being shot. And it intensified Earl's feelings of inadequacy as a performer and his contempt for studio operations. Despite the troubles behind the scenes, the film was a huge success, making a huge profit. Flynn's next film had been planned some since 1936, another swashbuckler, Seahawk, but only the title was used. A reviewer observed in time, the Seahawk is 1940's lustiest assault on a double feature. Its cost of one million plus exhibits Earl Flynn and 3,000 other cinema actors performing every imaginable feat of spectacular daring-do and last two hours and seven minutes. Earl Flynn, it gives the best swashbuckling role he has had since Captain Blood. For Hungarian director Michael Curtis, who took Flynn from bit player ranks to make Captain Blood and has made nine pictures with him since, it should prove a high point in their pro profitable relationship. It was indeed. The Seahawk made a huge profit on a small budget. Another financial success was the Western Santa Fe Trail with de Havilland and Ronald Reagan, which grossed another two-plus million dollars and was the second biggest hit of 1940. At the zenith of his career, Flynn was voted the 14th most popular star in the United States. According to Variety, he was the fourth biggest star in the United States and the fourth biggest box office attraction overseas as well. In later years, Footsteps in the Dark co-star Ralph Bellamy recalled Flynn at this time as, quote, a darling couldn't or wouldn't take himself seriously, and he drank like there was no tomorrow, had a bum ticker from the malaria he'd picked up in Australia, also a spot of TB, tried to enlist but flunked his medical, so he drank some more knew he wouldn't live into old age. He really had a ball and footsteps in the dark. He was so glad to be out of swashbucklers, end quote. Flynn became a naturalized American citizen in 1942. With the United States fully involved in the Second World War, he attempted to enlist in the armed services, but failed the physical exam due to recurrent malaria, a heart murmur, various venereal diseases, and latent pulmonary tuberculosis. Flynn was mocked by reporters and critics as a draft dodger, but the studio 
refused to admit that their star, promoted for his physical beauty and athleticism, had been disqualified due to health problems. Flynn started a new long-term relationship with a director when he teamed with Raoul Welsh in They Died With Their Boots On, a biopic of George Armstrong Custer. De Havilland was his co-star in this, the last of eight films they made together. It was Warner Brothers' second biggest hit of 1942, but Flynn's first World War II film was Desperate Journey, directed by Walsh, in which he played an Australian for the first time. It was another big hit. The role of Gentleman Jim Corbett in Walsh's Gentleman Jim was one of Flynn's favorites, and Warner Brothers purchased the rights to make a film of Corbett's life from his widow, specifically for their handsome, athletic, and charming leading man. The movie bears little resemblance to the reality. Gentleman Jim packed the theaters. According to Variety, it was the third Arrow Flynn movie to gross at least two million for Warner Brothers in 1942. In Edge of Darkness, set in Nazi-occupied Norway, Flynn played a Norwegian resistance fighter, a role originally intended for Edward G. Robinson. With a box office gross of plus $2 million in the United States, it was Warner Brothers' biggest movie of the year. And in Warner Brothers' all-star musical comedy fundraiser, for the stage door canteen, thank your lucky stars, Flynn sings and dances as a cockney seatman boasting to his publics of how he's won the war. It was the only musical number that was ever performed by Flynn on screen. In late 1942, two 17-year-old girls, Betty Hansen and Peggy Satterley separately accused Flynn of statutory rape at the Bel Air home of Flynn's friend, Frederick McAvoy, and on board Flynn's yacht, Sir Rocco, respectively. The trial took place in late January and early February 1943. Flynn was acquitted, but the trial's widespread coverage and lurid overtones permanently damaged his carefully cultivated screen image as an idealized romantic leading player. Flynn tried comedy again with Never Say Goodbye, a comedy of remarriage opposite Eleanor Parker, but it was not a success. Flynn published an adventure novel, Showdown, and earned a reported 184,000. Cry Wolf was a thriller with Flynn in a seemingly more villainous role. It was a moderate success at the box office. He was in a melodrama, Escape Me Never, filmed in early 1946, but not released until 1947, and it lost money. Silver River Flynn teamed up with Ann Sheridan. It was a hit, 
although its high cost meant it was not very profitable. Flynn drank so heavily on the set that he was effectively disabled after noon, and a disgusted director, Walsh, terminated their business relationship. Warners tried returning Flynn to Swatchbucklers, and the result was Adventures of Don Juan. The film was very successful in Europe, but less so in the United States, and struggled to recoup its large budget. Still, it was Warner Brothers' fourth biggest hit of the year. From this point on, Warner Brothers reduced the budgets of Flynn's films. After a cameo in Warner Brothers, It's a Great Feeling, Flynn was borrowed by Metro-Golden-Mayer to appear in that Foresight Woman, and, uh, uh, and which was the 11th biggest hit of the year for MGM. He went on a three-month holiday, then made two medium-budget westerns for Warners. Montana was Warner Brothers' fifth biggest movie of the year, and Rocky Mountain. It was the ninth biggest movie of the year. He returned to MGM for Kim, one of Flynn's most popular movies from this period, making it MGM's fifth biggest movie of the year and 11th biggest overall for Hollywood. In 1952, he was seriously ill with hepatitis, resulting in liver damage. In England, he made another swashbuckler for Warners, the Master of Ballantrae. After that, Warners ended their contract with him and their association that had lasted for 18 years and 35 million dollars. In 1956, he presented and sometimes performed in the television anthology series Errol Flynn Theatre, which was filmed in Britain. Flynn developed a reputation for womanizing, hard drinking, chain smoking, and for a time in the 1940s, narcotics abuse. He was linked romantically with Lupe Villay, Marlene Dietrich, and Dolores Del Rio, among many others. Carol Lombard is said to have resisted his advances, but invited him to her extravagant parties. He was a regular attendee of William Randolph Hearst's equally lavish affairs at Hearst Castle. Although at once, one time, he was asked to leave after becoming excessively intoxicated. The expression in Like Flynn is said to have been coined to refer to the supreme court ease with which he reportedly seduced women, but its origin is disputed. Flynn was reportedly fond of the expression and later claimed that he wanted to call his memoir In Like Me, but it was refused and they went to a more tasteful title, My Wicked, Wicked Ways. Flynn had a various mirrors and hiding places, 
constructed inside his mansion, including an overhead trapdoor above a guest bedroom for surreptitious viewing. Rolling Stones guitarist Ronnie Wood toured the house as a prospective buyer in the 70s and reported, quote, Earl had two-way mirrors, speaker systems in the ladies' room, not for security, just that he was an A1 voyeur. In March 1955, the popular Hollywood gossip magazine Confidential ran a salacious article titled The Greatest Show in Town, Errol Flynn and His Two-Way Mirror. In her 1966 biography, actress Hedy Lamarr wrote, Many of the bathrooms have peepholes or ceilings with squares of opaque glass through which you can't see, but someone can see in. He had a schnauzer dog named Arno, which was specifically trained to protect him. They went together to premier parties, restaurants, and clothes, clubs, until the dog's death in 1941. In 19... 19- 1938, Arno bit Davis, Betty Davis, on the ankle in the scene where she struck Flynn. Flynn was married three times to actress Lily Demita until 1942, and he had one son, Flynn, 19, born in 1941, to Nora Eddington and to actress Patrice Wymore from 1950 until his death. One daughter, Arnella Roma. Earl is the grandfather to actress Sean Flynn, who starred in the TV series Zoe. While Flynn acknowledged his personal attraction to Olivia de Havilland, assertions by film historians that they were romantically involved during the film of Robin Hood were denied. By de Havilland, yes, quote, We did fall in love, and I believe that this is evident in the screen chemistry between us, end quote. She told an interview in 2009. Flynn's marriage to Demita at the time prevented the relationship going further. After quitting Hollywood, Flynn lived with Wymore in Port Antonio, Jamaica, in the early 1950s. His only son, Sean, was an actor and war correspondent. He and his league colleague, Dana Stone, disappeared in Cambodia in April 1970 during the Vietnam War, while both were working as freelance photojournalists for Time magazine. Neither man's body has ever been found. It is generally assumed they were killed by Khmer Rouge guerrillas. By 1959, Flynn's financial difficulties had become so serious that he flew in October to Vancouver, British Columbia to negotiate the lease of his yacht, Zaka, to the businessman, George Caldo. As Caldo was driving Flynn and the 17-year-old actress Beverly Adlin, who had accompanied him on the trip to the airport on October for a Los Angeles-bound flight, 
Flynn began complaining of severe pain in his back and legs. Caldo noted that Flynn had considerably difficulty navigating the building's stairway. Gould, assuming that the pain was due to degenerative disc disease and spinal osteoarthritis, administered 50 milligrams of Demerol intravenously. As Flynn's discomfort diminished, he reminisced at great length about his past experiences to those present. He refused a, he refused a drink when offered it. Gould then performed a large leg massage in the apartment's bedroom and advised Flynn to rest there before resuming his journey. Flynn responded that he felt ever so much better. After 20 minutes, Adlin checked on Flynn and discovered him unresponsive. Despite immediate emergency medical treatment from Gould and a swift transfer by ambulance to Vancouver General Hospital, he did not regain consciousness and was pronounced dead that evening. The coroner's report and the death certificate noted the cause of death as myocardial infarction due to coronary thrombosis and coronary atherosclerosis with fatty degeneration of liver and portal cirrhosis of the liver significant enough to be listed as contributing factors. Flynn was survived by both his parents. Flynn was buried at Forest Lawn Cemetery, Park Cemetery in Glendale, California, a place he once remarked that he hated. But he was buried with six bottles of his favorite whiskey. And thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's podcast with Minutes with Maurice. Be sure to click on forward and look forward to being with you next Friday when we'll be looking at another subject, person, or whoever what. Thank you again, and until then, I am Maurice St. Germain.